This is the Gary V Audio Experience. Super excited to be here. This is my 10th year at South By, which is insane. Uh, and uh, I'm glad to go back to the format. Two years ago or three years ago, I decided to do a full Q&A and it was a lot of fun and really set the tone for what I did with my last book and things of that nature. Uh, there's a mic right up here. I'm gonna probably talk for only two or three or four minutes, so if you've ever asked, wanted to ask a question, I think it's a really good time to actually get up from your seat right now and start getting into line. Um, so do that. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, as you're debating your questions, let me talk to you about what's on my mind. I know there's a good mix of people here who know quite a bit about me, and I'm sure there's a good mix of people who don't. Um, for my whole life, I called myself a businessman. We now call that an entrepreneur. You know, I've always been selling stuff. And what it's synthesized to for the people that are paying attention to me closest is I'm really, really focused on attention. All the happiness that I've had professionally has been my ability to understand where the consumer attention is while the world underestimates it. This conference, the people in this room um, are, are easily aware of where things are going. You wouldn't be at this conference, you wouldn't be coming to these kind of talks if you didn't understand where the attention is either or about to be. I think this space, our space, tends to think attention is gonna be in places a little bit too quickly. For example, the last two or three years, I've been debating very aggressively with a lot of my Silicon Valley friends that VR on the consumer level is much further away than we think. The technology's there, but it kind of reminds me of Internet 92. It's gonna take time for normal people to, how many people by show of hands, outside of people that are in the business, know of a human being who actually spends two hours a day or an hour a day in VR? A human being not in the business, three. So we got a long way to go. And I think that's the things we need to think about, right? And so, but, but to me, I'm unemotional. Like Twitter, email marketing, YouTube, these are the platforms that through the years really helped me grow my wine business, my, my brand, my, my agency. But the truth is I'm unemotional about whether they're here tomorrow. You know, I'm sad that Twitter's ad product isn't as good as I'd like it to be, but I would never waste my money, tell you to waste your money, or guide my startups or companies to waste their money in that platform. To me, I, I'm obsessed with the underpriced nature of Facebook's ads marketplace right now, but the day it becomes overpriced, I won't cry. I'll just move on to wherever our attention. So there's an unemotional attention grab that I'm focused on, and then I think a lot of the other themes that may happen here is I'm pretty undereducated in hindsight, right? I was an extraordinarily poor student and as I continue to hear things like, you know, there's some amazing thing I saw on social in my feed the other day, like a graffiti artist saying, you know, the, the, the creative people that are winning are the kids that got through adulthood without being tainted, right? And I, I actually think that so much of what I think about just comes from a pure audit. I'm not, I don't have a preconceived notion when I look at most things. And I think that blindness, when I went into the agency world, right now I'm running an 800 person agency, we've gone from zero to 130 million dollars in revenue. When I started it, people made fun of me and said, just because I had a lot of Twitter followers, how was I gonna compete with real Madison Avenue? For me, the reason we've been so grossly successful is I didn't have any of the baggage of the agency world. I knew nothing about the agency world. In the same way, I didn't know anything about the wine business when I went into my dad's business. And whatever I operate for the next two or three things until I buy the Jets and win Super Bowls, I'm, I'm gonna be very blind to it. And so uh, I, uh, I implore people to make things more simple. 
I think things are extremely simple if you allowed them to be that way. I think we make them very complicated and I think a lot of people here, how many people are running or work at a startup, early stage startup? Raise your hands high, just wanna get a sense. It's a lot, so to me, one of the things that's very devastating and the difference of being here today versus 10 years ago is the people that were here 10 years ago were, were building products and were trying to build products and or businesses, one or the other. The far majority of startups in our ecosystem today are building financial arbitrage machines. All they're doing is trying to hit certain metrics to raise the next round of capital to keep going until some sort of imaginary exit. And that's scary to me because for anybody else here who's following the business world, we've now lived through eight or nine very good years in our economy. That plays itself out eventually. And when there is no more money and you actually have to run a business, all those things you cared about like CAC and LTV and all these other lovely important things become far less important than do you make more money than you lose each month. Let me just remind everybody, you're not a superstar entrepreneur when you're losing money each month. And so, There's a lot of interesting themes that are in play right now and so those are the things I like to pay attention to. I reverse engineer human behavior and I deploy my actions in the places where I think there's opportunity and so that's my thesis. That's what I roll on and uh, most of it's very tried and true. I I love HR, I love people, I love people's behavior and I love consumer trends and this is the place to be for that stuff. Thanks for having me and I'm ready to answer questions whether very tactical of like how to run a Snapchat filter ad or philosophical of like how do you tell your your mom that she's ruining your life, so. (laughs) Cool, name and question. Steven Rosenberg, Uh, my question is so I watch you go all over the country and all over the world and people ask you the same questions over and over and over again. So I want to add value and ask you what kind of questions you want people to ask you. So you don't have to answer the same question over and over. So Steve, this is literally the question I hate the most. (laughs) I literally, I'm not not even kidding. Really? I'll I'll explain in a minute. Literally, I would have preferred you asked me the same cliche question that I've been, yes, I'll tell you why. When you're answering people's questions, you need to provide them value, not yourself value. Do you know why 98% of the South By keynotes this year are gonna suck shit? Because, no, because they're doing press releases for their best behavior, not for the audiences. The reason I'm doing a keynote, is a Q&A session, is I wanna give you something. I'm plenty comfortable self-promoting plenty of other times. And so, I don't have any question I want, listen, I don't, there's nothing I wanna be asked All I want to do is give people what their question is. I don't mind answering the same question over and over. You know why? We have seven to 11 basic themes that are fucking us up. Right. So, all right, let me ask you this. Fine. When do you think of eco-capitalism moving forward in 2017? I'm sorry, one more time? Eco-capitalism? Like, break it down for me, because another great thing about Q&A is I try not to answer shit I don't understand. Yeah, so basically corporations (laughs) being able to profit from their waste stream. So it's really wasteful and you have to pay for waste so, using social to change that. So in that vein, I don't know all the details but I'll go okay. thematically with you. Please. Companies are very basic. Okay. They never do good things unless it's good for the company. Right. So if there's way to incentivize, it's like when people are CEOs and they're mad at their sales team for selling the wrong shit but meanwhile the CEO's bonusing them on that shit behavior, I'm like, you're a shithead. Change the bonuses and they'll adapt. You wanna fix the, the environment, make and incentivize every company to do that, they will do it every single time. Correct, 
but it's hard for them to get on board initially, even though it capitalistically makes sense for them to listen to that because they hear environment and they go, oh. Yeah, I would tell you that I don't believe that and let me explain why. I'm not sure who's feeding them that information, but I promise you, every CFO of every Fortune 5000 company in the world, unless they decide to make it a political issue, which I'm very empathetic to, is going to always make the dollar and cent decision. Okay, I mean, doesn't VaynerMedia spend money on waste? I'm, I'm, of course. A lot. I don't know, to be frank. Sure, yeah, okay, thank you. You're welcome. A little hard to hear you, Gary. Me? Seriously? <laughs> that is literally the first time I've ever fucking heard that in my life. Can you guys pump me up? Got it, I'll go harder. What's up, my man? What's your name? Texas. Love it. First off, real quick, huge fan. Uh, Thank you. I'm loading myself on my goals, and you kind of helped me blast through this. Thank we you. We have a local company, uh, iVitamin. We do IV hydration therapy. Great for hangovers, by the way. South by good time. So the kind of shit where you get drunk and you go into a place and they put an IV in you? Exactly. Okay. It's overall health. Uh, Got it. It's uh, overall wellness. Uh, okay. Great response. New category. Yep. Anyone here in Austin, there's only about a handful of them across the United States. Okay. We're trying to raise awareness of how it makes you feel, how it helps you. And we're overwhelmed. We have you know, four partners that are working full time. We're trying to scale it pretty quickly, so we're doing all the standard operating procedures. So how do we? You're just trying to scale quickly because you feel like you could be commoditized if other people up open up other shops. Yeah, we just want to be first. It's a first to market play. It's not really controllable. So. Not always, right? It's first to market play a lot of times on brand, but not on locations. And this is where a lot of people get fucked up. They overexpand and they lose Krispy Kreme things of that nature. It's iconic. It's 80 years in the making. People want to move fast, and they think their advantage is locations. It's actually brand. And and what a lot of people end up doing is they go tactical and try to open up those locations instead of worrying about the things that will give them a marathon because you're not running a sprint unless you're looking to exit in the next 24 months and sell off the company. So your behavior needs to map that. It's just one thing to keep in mind, but keep going. So what's the best way, uh, we're overwhelmed as it is, like? Hire people. Well, no, hiring people, okay, so getting out there, getting on social media enough. No, 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 no. You, before you worry about the tactics of marketing, if you're truly overwhelmed and you started with that four of us were running a mile a minute, have you guys thought about hiring people? Like more people? We've started, uh, we hired a uh, marketing person 20, 20, 30 hours a week that's gonna help us reach out a little bit more. Are you guys profitable? Yes. What are you doing with the profit? Uh, paying bills. Right, catching, so. Catching up, catching up on. On debt? Got it, okay, understood. Yeah, I mean, look, the, so are you looking for a tactic or a thesis? Like, uh, I, want a, I want a tactic as far as how to deploy the most to get our message out there and create the brand. Well, there's three, ways to there's three ways to communicate to the world. You can write content, you can do audio content, or you can do video content, right? Video content historically is over-indexed it, and so you can make video content and run it on Facebook and run ads for people within the Austin zip code and build awareness that way. The underpriced tactic in the market for everybody here, B2B, B2C, startup, Fortune 50, the underpriced attention to the target that you're looking for as we stand here today is Facebook video. So you need to figure out how to make that. At first it could be on your phone if you don't have the dollars. Later it can get fancy like DRock, but the reality is that's not even really that fancy. And so I think that um, sorry, do and so, and so, I think Facebook video targeting people of certain wealth and interests 
that would make sense for them to come to you is probably the tactic you're most looking for. And I would say influencer marketing. Instagram peeps with 300, 3,000, 30,000, 300,000, if they're you know, exchanging your service for them to come, you, know, you give it to them for free, they're giving you shout outs, that's really grossly underpriced awareness right now is influencer marketing on an Instagram world. And those would be the two places I would focus on. And real quick, Jab, it's gonna be a ride hook because of all the people here. But we are mobile. If any of you or your staff wants to come to you while you're in town, we'll come hook you up. Complete Jab. And, uh, That's a right hook. It's not a Jab. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Right, I've been DMing you as a Jab only, but it doesn't here. Dude, everybody's <laughs> fucking DMing you. Anyway, thanks for everything thanks, you do. Appreciate no problem. It, cool. Hey, man. Hey. Tony Goldman from Knoxville, Tennessee. Love there's it. Two things. That Who's from Tennessee? Yeah. All right, there's, there's three of you. <laughs> Better than zero. Uh, quick comments of the first guy. Uh, I think he's a little bit wrong. We actually have a startup where we're taking a waste product from the paper industry. Yep. Biodegradable plastics out of it. Do you think you two should fight? Yeah. <laughs> All right, flagpole, th- flagpole, 3 p.m. They're super happy because they don't have anything. Awesome, you guys can work yourself out on other people's time. Let's move. So, my question is yeah. for you, um, we're competing in a commodity market. Yes. But we're really interested in... By the way, real quick, 99.999% of businesses are competing in a commodity market. Okay. That's why I'm obsessed with brand. Well, it's so the differentiator. That, go ahead. Question. So how do we compete against like the Dow and the ASS of the world, the plastics? How do you build a brand? Who are you trying to reach? The B2B decision maker? Both. I want to and consumer? And create the pressure kind of like yeah. intel inside. Yeah, man, I mean, it's called fucking marketing, right? Like, uh, you, know, it's, you know, it's gonna be very basic here. I think that, you know, one thing I think a lot of you should be doing, especially if you're in a B&B environment, is starting a monthly podcast where you become the experts as a media company in your space. And really, it, I mean, look, this is 10 years ago, Wine Library TV. I thought I was gonna be QVC and just sell wine. That's what I thought I was gonna do. The second the camera went on, I said, shit, this is recorded forever. I need to rethink this. And I just became America's wine guy in that world. I think that you should start a monthly podcast or a weekly podcast if you wanna hustle, have really interesting guests, and that small little niche of people that are interested in your world will find yourself there. The more you can act like a media company and less like an advertiser, you will always win. Because nobody in here wants ads, people want content. And the truth is, we actually don't give a shit where the content comes from. Whether it's a network or a producer or individual or a company, as long as it's great. The problem is 99% of companies want them to be commercials, not content. So you could do that. Or you could take the advice I said before, the two underpriced for early stage. Like when you're, when you're David and you're playing against Goliath, you have to do David tactics. And our little you know, slingshot with a rock right now is Facebook ads. You know, I, I know I'm boring the shit out of the ones that follow me, it's just that when I stand up here and say, I built my dad's store from three to 60 million, I always feel that it should have been 250 million because what I didn't do was spend all my money on Google AdWords in 2000, 2001, two and three when I had it and I figured it out and it was five and 10 cents a click, but it was so early and I was so young, I didn't realize how historically amazing this would be. We are paying six to $13 CPMs on Facebook right now that are gonna be 50 to $80 in 36 and 48 months and everybody that here is gonna be sad that they didn't jump on it and they're gonna look back to this talk and be like, fuck, I should've listened to Gary. So those are the two things I would do. Media company and become the voice of the market and become the platform that people talk about the market on, 
that brings interest to decision makers or market in the place where people are that's underpriced right now. So just own it as we're the experts. If you are. Like one of the sad things about the world we live in now is people are claiming to be experts when they're 21 years old at a school and they just want to be an influencer on Instagram. Right. Awesome. Thank, thank you. Very much. Thank you. Yeah. What's up, Gary? How are you, man? My name's Russell. I'm aware we played basketball for two hours two hours ago. Yeah. So that was awesome. Shout out to Tyler. Thanks, So my question today is just uh, for the people, like you get to hang around cool ass people. Like okay. Tony Robbins and Adam uh, Gerard and all those awesome people. Okay. Is there anything that you notice that they have in common and that you really think they make them uberly successful? And on the other flip side of that, is there anything that you notice among, uh, not necessarily failures in life, but people who just fuck up that, uh, you know, like this. But, uh, that, Don't that, worry. Yeah, <laughs> that really make them kind of mess up their life. Yeah, I, I think, you know, it's a really great question. It's really hard and the truth is we're all individual. But I will say that I do believe the people that care less about what other people think about them tend to have a better life. It's just liberating. And, and the truth is you think it's the people that troll you in comments. I'm actually talking about your parents. And like, like the, I genuinely believe that self-esteem is the ultimate drug in life. That, that I'm obsessed with driving self-esteem into my children, my mom did that for me. And listen, there's a very fine line between self-esteem and delusion, right? There's a very fine line, but the reality is there are just so many people sitting here that are broken inside because they care what their older brother thinks about their behavior or what their husband thinks about their behavior or what their mom said to them growing up and I don't really know how to break that. What I'm trying to do with my life is in parallel achieve what I want for me but the reason I document so much is I'm trying to become the injection of audacity into the people that watch me that gives them the courage to take the jump into the pool that they're scared to swim in. And so people are just being held back by other people's opinions and that's deep stuff that you can't really hack at. I'm trying to play my tiny little part, but I would say that's the differentiation. Like it's unbelievable to me. I, uh, I tweeted something which was an inside tweet without context for my company, which was insecurity leads to politics. The people at VaynerMedia that are so talented, that are so about to win, that I'm about to fire because they're insecure and that leads them to terrible behavior, it breaks my heart and we try hard. My crew's there, they know, we try hard. We pound at them, we try to make them feel safe. We have a chief heart officer, I do my thing. We have a good culture, I try. But insecurity is a killer. It leads to all the bad shit. And so it's the difference between self-confidence and insecurity. It's the difference of like, listen, being self-promotional and putting yourself out there, there's so many people that have opinions about me. As long as the people that actually know me have the opinions they have versus the people that have never met me but they heard me say fuck on stage, like as long as I'm good with the people that actually can look under the hood, then I'll always win. So if you feel good about who you actually are, you need to get loud. And if you don't, fix your shit. Thanks, Gary. You got it, Russell. Hey Gary. How are you? I'm good, man. Uh, my name is Justin. I really appreciate you and the content you put out. Thank you. Uh, you talked about hacking culture. I'm really curious. By the way, the entire line is a bunch of fucking dudes. Can I get some ladies up here? <laughs> I see you, darling. You're welcome. Go ahead, bro. Sorry. Just fucking sausage fest. Fuck. <laughs> so, I, 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 um, how do you think about like, Ladies, let's go. 
Go ahead. How do you think about tapping into, into the zeitgeist, specifically around like content creation? Like, like, like hacking culture. Like hacking culture. Ideas that are going to spread now, when's the right timing to create content around That's that? That's the magic. Let me tell you one thing, all creatives in the room, the creative is still the variable of success. With all the math that has come into our world and tech, the creative is still the variable of success. Now, before you get pumped creatives, most creatives are dick faces because they think their opinion's better than everybody else's because Ad Age once said they said made something nice. So it's this very hardcore mix of actual humility balanced with ego, but the underlining reason that I've been able to do it pretty consistently for myself and the things I'm involved with is it's all about listening. It's all listening. Like, I talk so much that people don't get it. The only thing I'm actually doing is listening. The reason I'm so good with my community to engage with is because first I'm listening to what you're saying and shit, I'm there so I might as well say what's up. Right? The reason I took their selfie picture and put it in my Instagram story was first I was listening and then I gave them daps. Like, I'm constantly listening and, and for the people that follow my blog, I don't do anything by accident. I'm not spending all my time with, tw- with 30, 40 different emerging Atlanta 19-year-old hip-hop artists for my health. I'm doing it because I believe that there's about to be a run in that scene of the Russes and the Nebus and the things of that skip of the flip. Like, I think there'll be culture and I want to have that association. I want to taste it. And I, same reason I came here back in 2006, 7, and 8. I thought that this Twitter, Instagram thing, these people were gonna build the future. I didn't give a shit about technology. I was, I was like a very weird guy here 10 years ago. Everybody was like, we're gonna save the world and we're gonna, we're gonna build products to make people's lives better. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But in my head, I'm like, I'm gonna sell shit. <laughs> you know? And so, and so what I do is just listen. Like even in politics, no matter where I sit on issues, right? I listen, nothing confuses me of what's going on because I listen, it's, uh, I know the difference about what's going on in my Chattanooga, Tennessee office versus my LA office. I go into those forums, I pay attention to what's going on on 4chan and Reddit and other places that people don't pay attention to. I look, I'm, me and AJ started a sports agency because I want to know the up and coming athletes of the next generation whether 16, 17, and 18. I'm patient and I pay attention and I'm not scared to fail. For every Snapchat and Instagram that I've won on, I lost on social cam, right? I lost on Plurk. Remember Plurk 2009 here? Like, you know, like, like, but I'm not scared to do two things. One, spend an ungodly time listening versus thinking I can manifest it myself. And number two, once I have a thought, try things. So for everything I get credit for that I did well, there's 18 things I didn't do well that are forgotten because it doesn't matter. You're welcome. Thank you, Aaron. Super pumped to be here. Uh, Thank you, man. Shout out to D-Rock. I love all your stuff. What's your name? Jared. Jared. Awesome. Awesome, man. My wife is here and she gets super pissed when I go to my YouTube show and watches you and Casey and all that. Understood. Uh, My voice is annoying, I know. Sorry about that. (laughs) So I love it all. Yep. I don't know the context of the full video, but I saw it, and then you were comparing uh, TV is dying just as radio has already died. Right. And you're working in radio, I can't believe that, right? So uh, dying, dying is a very dangerous word. Nothing dies, right? Like radio's around, newspapers are still here. When I say dying, it's a slang term for I think the advertising on that platform is grossly overpriced versus the alternative. Meanwhile, I'm, I'm right now spending a ton of time 
on iHeartRadio, Drive Time Radio, live reads by the disc jockey, just because I think that's underpriced. So to me, I'm not a digitalist, I'm just an attentionist. So I just look at prices, right? Outdoor media should not be up 12 to 15% in the last decade in a world where everybody here, when they're a passenger in car, is looking at their phone versus out the window. So like, that's just bad common sense. The price is overpriced, that's why I'm down on it. But it's not like billboards are being torn down. So a lot of times, especially with the way I roll, things seem op, you know, absolute. It's the nuances underneath the absolute statements that matter, but keep going. And so, from the consumer standpoint, yes. building that funnel, are you a believer that TV, radio still play a role in of course. building from the top, and then obviously Facebook, yeah. But I think Facebook's much better as a top of the funnel platform. Because it's massively underpriced. Meanwhile, I think the Super Bowl commercial is the best deal in marketing. Like, not even close. At six million dollars a pop, a steal on the Gary radar of like pricing worth 20, 30, 40 million dollars. Meanwhile, I think programmatic digital banner buying and pre-roll is the worst shit on earth, right? <laughs> like nobody gives a fuck about your banner and definitely not the pop-up that's stopping you from doing what you want and yet the market of advertising Madison Avenue loves it because they're justifying the $5 CPM. There's never been a time when the value of something was predicated on its price. You got it. All right. <laughs> All right, let's do this. What's your name? This is Julia. And How are you? 10 years ago, this man sent me my wine for my wedding for free. Seriously? Don't tell him my secrets. I know, right? So thank you. I'm You're welcome. I get to say that in person. Um, so 10 years ago, yep. my entrepreneurship was not even on my radar. And now I own a company, my husband and I run a financial planning firm that we started to help creative people because Lord knows we Got it. help with the money. Sure. And that being said, um, we're using video a lot Good. because we're actually good actors. Yes. Right? And I'm getting this point of overwhelm because my question is how do you own a business that uses video and social media and keep your sanity? Like, I'm really an empathic person and I feel like all this pain and need around me and it overwhelms me. Pain from the people that are sending these crazy emails? Well, yes, sometimes, like directly from the clients. Yes. Just like from the social media world at large. Like, oh, you mean how all of social right now is just negative as fuck? Yes. yes. I feel it's like emotional dodgeball and like right. opinion dodgeball. Yes. Like all these ideas and like, how can I get in there and try and help people and. You stay on the offensive positivity if you believe it. You, you manage the amount of time you spend looking and rubbernecking at negativity. I don't give a fuck. Okay. Like, like, I see all the negativity. I just know that life is like this. Like, I expect like, things to be difficult. Like, I, I want to remind everybody, no matter where you sit on politics and things of that nature, just data, this is the greatest era to be alive. As sad as you are about certain things, I promise you, it'd be worse right now if the Black Plague was doing its thing. <laughs> And so I think we get crippled, right? You know, I think a lot of people here need to go and spend more time with 80 and 90 year olds and ask them what they lived through. Nothing's perfect. We're always gonna have it bad. It's always going to be something. We've always picked on each other for being different. It sucks. So if you're lucky and you don't have that in you, I think you do what I'm trying to do, which is be completely, utterly on the offense of positivity because if you're positive and you're happy and you're optimistic, you owe it to each other right now to get louder because the only people that are loud are the people that are upset. Yeah. 
right? Negativity is on fire and happy people are clamming up and staying away from it. That's how we stay happy. I went the other way. I'm going right at it, putting it out every single day. That's number one. But we're all wired differently. I'm able to eat shit at scale for the rest of my life. It's why I'm a leader. It's why I'm a company. It's why I put myself out there. If you get fatigued, you need to take yourself out there. It's okay to not be there every day, read every comment. I feel like if I'm not out there all the time that I'm like, you know, losing people. Yes, you are, but what's, what's more interesting? Making $11 million a year and being miserable or making $6 million a year and being decently happy? Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks. That's it. <laughs> All right, thank you. Well, good, good to see you. Some up in there. They're coming. They're mixed in. Sup. Sup. Go ahead. My question. Yeah, what's your name? Uh, Mark. Mark. I saw you last year, really inspired, and uh, I told you about the company that I started one year ago, which is called Wonderbrief, and we're a platform where we connect freelancers with companies all over the world. Okay. People trade their skills, yep. their experiences abroad. Understood. And we've got a lot of interest from people, and then not a lot of companies. Not a lot or a lot? Uh, not a lot of companies. Okay. And then you said you have to focus on the companies, like it's a strip club, and you need to have the girls and the guys on top, right? That's right. This is the opposite, we need girls here in the line. Yeah. Um, well, that strategy actually worked really well. So Go I'm figure. For Adobe, Vodafone, Heineken, Porsche. Um, but I actually have a question to you. Um, so, if you could work anywhere in the world, where would you go? Nowhere. <laughs> and, the dude, and the dude laughing back there is clearly like one of, it's never even crossed my mind. It's never been there. It's never gonna be there. It's, I don't wanna work anywhere. Like, I just don't have that ability in me to think that somebody else is gonna steer my ship. I'm just not interested. And by the way, I don't think that's cool. I don't think I'm cool for that. To be very frank, I wish I didn't even have it. You know how awesome it is to be the number two or three? You get almost all the benefits and you get to blame somebody. <laughs> so the answer is I don't, but I don't think that's a badge of honor. I don't think everybody, right now everybody thinks they need to be an entrepreneur and a founder. Meanwhile, I promise you the following. The number 11 at Facebook, she made a lot more money than everybody in this room combined. Right, like we're not thinking smart. This is back to self-awareness. You need to know who you are. I know who I am. I am a leading CEO, entrepreneur. That's who I am, that's always who I've been. Like at 14 I was telling my dad what we're supposed to do, right, in the liquor store. So my answer to that is nowhere, but I wanna make sure that everybody hears me loud and clear. That doesn't make it cool, that just makes it my truth. You just need to figure out your truth. So yeah. then maybe you can give your spot to number 11 of VaynerMedia and I will take him or her on the trip. Thanks for the right hook. I'll look into it. Hey, what's up, baby? How you doing? Super well, man. Yeah. I'm Henry. Henry. I'm from Los Angeles. Awesome. Uh, I work for a company called The Herbal Chef. Okay. We do uh, cannabis-infused fine dining. Awesome. And uh, I, do, I do all the social media stuff for them and all that. And cool. I was wondering if you see any similarities in the cannabis space and the wine space. Of course. Yeah. Wine was illegal in this country. Right. Uh, some of you saw my South by speech last year. I hate this fucking state because I can't ship wine here. Right? Like, you know, it's state by state regulated. There's taboo. 80 years ago, it was super taboo to drink in this country. Right? You know, 20 years ago, it was super taboo to smoke weed. It's getting chipped away at. Um, 
you know, obviously the new administration's got its agenda and so it may slow down the curve of what we've got going on. It'll be interesting to watch that from an entrepreneurial standpoint, but I think we are now fully on the other side of the hill as a social issue on that product and I think it's really cool and I'm excited to like learn about like all the benefits that have been suppressed because people have not wanted it to succeed and so sure, I will say this, like VR, I think cannabis on the consumer level at big scale is gonna be slower than people think and I think it's also gonna be very competitive. I love looking at history. The reason I know I'm right, that we've gone to a primary mobile world and now the television is the secondary device just like we went through with radio and television, I think if you look back at all the startups that happen in alcohol post-prohibition, 99% of them failed. And so everybody's gold rushing on this. They don't realize how slow it's gonna take and they're building shitty businesses. They just put the word cannabis in it and they think they're gonna succeed because it's coming. Cool, so do you see any mistakes that you made in, with Wine Library that- There's no parallels to what I did with Wine Library because it was a long, you know, it was yeah. long, like alcohol was legal for a long time. I think the mistakes I made with Wine Library are tried and true to what I'm talking about which is in 1996 when I launched winelibrary.com, I thought in four years everybody would be buying wine on the internet. Right, and it took the internet much slow, slower to be an e-com platform. It's even now still a smaller percentage than most people realize. So I would tell you that uh, innovators in this room, it tends to happen slower than they think and it tends to happen faster than all the people that aren't here think. Okay. And it's finding that timing. Great, Cool. You. Hey, darling. Here you be. What up? How are you? Super. Good. What's your name? So I have Kanye's Falls. I live in Atlanta, so I probably see all the great track records. <laughs> yep. So for me, for my business, I have a government contracting company that deals primarily with the federal government doing construction. Okay. I have a uh, podcast that I do for entrepreneurs where I, you know, do the interviews and have those kind of conversations that are very transparent. Okay. So the t-shirt line deals primarily with entrepreneurs. Okay. Entrepreneur life is all awesome, and I have a nonprofit that's in Nigeria. You're doing a lot of shit. I'm doing a lot of shit. So, my question is, you do a lot of shit too. Be careful. How do you balance your work and your life? Oh, we're talking about work-life balance? Yeah. Communication. The end. Like, you just gotta figure out who's in, you know, again, back to not giving a crap. I'm not worried about what everybody here thinks about my work-life balance or the way I parent my kids. I worry about the inner circle. The kids are getting a little older. I'm gonna start hearing their feedback pretty soon. Um, And so, I think that we are crippling ourselves on parenting and work-life balance and we're judging ourselves and we're all just trying to do the best we can, right? Like this gold standard is ridiculous because it doesn't exist. There's just whatever the current politically correct point of view is which has historically been wrong on almost every social issue of all time. So for me, by looking at that, I'm just worried about what's happening in my house so I don't give people a whole lot of advice on this issue because you, your relationship's different. You know what your relationships are. And so I just try and over communicate the end. And some days it's rolling for six months and then it gets tough and like we just, we just try but it's hard to suppress who you are. Like if you're hungry and you're climbing, it's tough to not climb and be hungry. And so you need to be more selfish than you realize because your happiness is the starting point of how it's gonna impact everybody around you. So you just talk these things through. That's awesome, thank you. You're welcome. Gary, my name's Sean. Sean. It's a pleasure. Real pleasure. 
So let's say you're the Jets owner right now. Okay. What would you do to outbid the Broncos and Texans to get Tony Romo? Nothing. <laughs> He's finished. The best thing y'all got going is Fireman Ed, the fan. He's not doing his thing anymore. We lost him too. All right. <laughs> what role can we expect virtual reality to play in our ability to enjoy football when you're an owner? Back to what I was saying earlier, I think ironically it probably will match up more when around the timing where I have a shot to pull this off. So I think in 20 years it could get really interesting. Um, but I'm, I'll be honest with you, I'm spending very little time, mental time, in a world where time is the asset on, on consumer VR because I just don't think it's as close as people think. I'm spending time meeting a lot of people in it. I am looking at B2B VR because I think a lot of money will be made in that as Google and Apple and Amazon and those companies buy up the talent and the platforms and the apps that maybe can help them build their play. Um, but you know, yes, one day you could put on your contact lenses and feel like you're there, right? Like it's really cool to play Madden football with contact lenses where you're the quarterback and you see everything. But I just think it's much further away than people think. If you said, if you said you're a genie from the future and you said it's six years from now, that there's some traction, say, okay, that kind of makes sense. But like, it's just not next year, it's not the next year. And there's a lot of shit to do between now and six years from now that needs a lot of focus. A lot of people here are worried about VR while they haven't even figured out how to do a proper Facebook ad spend. <laughs> you like that one? That was good, right? So, yeah. I just don't get ahead of myself, man. One foot in front of the other. Is that the Captain Crunch dude on your shirt? That's the Captain Crunch dude. I dig it, man. Thank you. It tears the roof of your mouth. It does. Yeah. That's, it's, uh, it's the ultimate life lesson in uh, modern, uh, I went blank. That's okay. We, we, got, we got your back. Go ahead. We're sitting here. It's the ultimate life lesson in. Not over and don't you. One Boom. Time, Told you. Good support. All right. Thanks, man. Let's move it. First off, I'd like to thank you. I first started following you. I was a biochemistry major about to be in academic probation. And that was 18 months ago. <laughs> I since joined the MSU entrepreneurship program and have rebounded, founded Food Design Headquarters, and have made complete 180. That makes me happy, man. My question to you is... What's your name? David Welsh. David, go ahead. Sorry. You're like, that's bad sound here? No worries. <laughs> D-Rock will catch you. <laughs> My question to you is, how do you feel about the rise of entrepreneurship programs at universities? I'm I, concerned. I came down here with the Michigan State University hatch. Yep. And that was actually, there's a whole lot more to my opinion. Yep. Anyway, how do you feel about the rise of seed funding for college entrepreneurs at their universities? I'm concerned because I think entrepreneurship has become a rock star status thing, right? Like, it's in, if you told me 15 years ago that a great young dude would stand in front of you and say he's about to pass out just because he's talking to you, I'd be like, what the fuck are you talking about, right? Like, entrepreneurship has been put on the current pedestal of like rock star status, which is great for me and I'm pumped about it, but what it's doing is it's making a lot of 15 to 22 year old impressionable kids think that that's the only way out. And I'm gonna remind everybody, and this is a good segue, and David, I appreciate you bringing this up because it opened up a mind. My friends, we have lost, we have lost people that have come to this conference a decade ago, nine years ago, eight years ago, to suicide because of the pressures of being successful in our space. The hardcore startup Silicon Valley pressure thing that doesn't hit everybody here. But We've created this world where everybody wins and the truth is barely anybody's winning. 
right? There's only, a, you know, everybody thinks they're building the next Snapchat or Instagram. Those are, you know, one, two, three companies that have made it happen. So I'm scared. I love it because I'm an entrepreneur and I live the reverse of your life. I got D's and F's, was emotionally sound as shit, making $4,000 a weekend, was a good kid, and everybody told me I was a loser because I wasn't gonna be good at academics. So I'm thrilled that we're not just black and white from the 80s and 90s where school's the only way out, and I, shit, I wish I was growing up in this era because I'd be really doing my thing. At the same token, I think the pendulum has swung too far. Entrepreneurship is very lonely. It's all on your back. It's a ton of pressure. It's all on you. There's nobody to point to. If you fail, everybody you know knows that you failed. That's a tough scarlet letter for the majority of people in it, especially if they're not pure and bred. David, do you know how much I love failing? I fucking love it. I love scarlet letters. I want not only the A, I want fucking to Z because I'm a purebred entrepreneur and losing is attractive to purebred entrepreneurs. It's the only way you learn. 100% and, and it's just, it's the cost of entry to the game. But now you have a ton of people who aren't and they were good A and B students or they'd be great number four or great number 13 or a great project manager, great. But they want to be a number one that's just a totally different game. It's gray, shit's gray. So I'm concerned because we're funneling too many kids into it and there'll be a lot of pain that comes along with that because right now I know a ton of 26 year olds with their startup, they've never failed. Their grandfather like, was the naming rights of the fucking library that they went to college with, right? They're like cruising but the market, the funny thing about the market, in school, even in college, even in a lot of jobs, like your last name, the family you came from, money can protect you. The market, you launch a product, the market doesn't give a fuck, David. The market doesn't give a fuck what your grandfather did. And that's where people are getting hurt and there's gonna be a lot of pain in the next two, three, four years whenever this melts. And so I just, I'm, I'm passionate to make sure that we talk about self-awareness and getting to know yourself and what you're good at, not that entrepreneur is the key to success. Thanks. Hey. I'm growing on Instagram stories, but I think the opportunities in Snapchat because everybody got lazy and is only doing Instagram. You're welcome. I really want to know. Yeah, I think <laughs> when you trade attention, my man, when you trade attention, you love moments like this. People are lazy. They're like, oh. Instagram's now got all the features. I had more followers on Instagram. It's hard to build followers on Snapchat. I'll just chill here and grow. This is better. Not realizing that tomorrow Snapchat can drop a feature that changes the game. They could. They may not. But I, I've been growing quite a bit on Snapchat. I'm growing faster on Instagram just because I became somewhat viral in December on Instagram and my world's changed there. But I would tell you the majority of the people here need to take a step back. And the answer is if you're ambitious, if you're ambitious, and you want things to happen? The answer is do both. Cool. Thank you. You got it. What's up, Gary? Daniel from Houston. Hey, Daniel. Uh, saw you the Super Bowl. Appreciate crazy it. Yeah, that was crazy. So I have a question. Going back to like the David and Goliath thing that you talked about. Yeah. Obviously, small companies. Yep. Agency. Yep. How do we compete for? creatives to bigger companies when everyone wants to be a freelancer and have their own business. And I'm asking this question because I know that you truly care about your employees and bringing value to them. Yep. How do we do that at a small scale when we're very conscious of our 
Well, at first my creatives were kids directly out of school that weren't getting paid that much, but I realized that creative talent isn't based on how old you are. I don't underestimate experience, but that would be like thinking every NBA player at 35 is great because of experience. Like, there's pure talent. I think you should focus on young, young people who do great creative work because you can afford them and for them, the experience is worthwhile. I think you get unemotional. I didn't give a shit about who the cool creative, I didn't, I can't name one cool creative director in the agency world right now, let alone seven years ago. You're not competing for fucking creative directors that are going to Droga 5 and fucking Crispin Porter. You're competing for the kids that have the talent to one day do that, that are growing up at H-Town, go fucking find them. Good. <laughs> Gary, good to fucking be here finally. Thank you, brother. Joshua, uh, longtime fan, uh, not here to read your fucking resume. No worries. Got a true jab, 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 maybe even fourth jab, but maybe it's right hook at the end. It always is. Uh, first off, hats off to the ladies. Uh, got Just a little girl at home who. I dished out on every year, so. Um, <laughs> so you're clapping up for the ladies while dissing a lady? Uh, she's only two. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Um, so, uh, first off, I was going to bring a painting for you. Okay. I you up on social earlier, no response. Sorry. You didn't want to put canvas in here. Yep. Uh, second off, uh, you, D Rock, Tyler, anybody else wants to get the best fucking workout you can get in while you're here, uh, full on MMA style thing going on. First thing tomorrow morning. I'm not sure if you're leaving tonight or not. I'm leaving. Keep, keep going. Uh, last thing, another venture we got going on, uh, the best fucking cold brew you'll have in your entire life. So we can get that. That'd be interesting. A little taste, yeah, okay. later. But I guess to get to the real hook would be, with all these different things going on, and you kind of already answered another question earlier with over-communicate, um, really taking a lot from what you're doing in employing a chief heart officer, as you can tell with all these different little entrepreneurial endeavors going on, it's really kind of trying to find that balance. Sure. And so what I'm seeing is that there's less sales with all the different endeavors, less money coming in, but more profits. Okay. So margins are increasing. Yep. Right. So I think it really becomes a question of, you know, when you talk about bringing on more people, yes. that's an ideal, but I don't have the cash for that. Okay. So it becomes this sort of imbalance of, is so it you have like to make labor or is it putting everybody onto sales? Listen, no business succeeds long term without driving top line revenue. You can maximize your margin for only so long. Right. So sales is the oxygen of businesses. Right. I'd also tell you that when you're doing three businesses equally, you're doing no businesses. When people say I do a lot of things, I said be careful. I run VaynerMedia. Like I'm the CEO of VaynerMedia. It's what I do for a living. I have figured out through DRock and a creative team to create an enormous amount of content. By the way, I want to remind everybody, I've been running VaynerMedia for six years. It's been around for eight. I only started doing the content two years ago or with change when DRock on spec did creative for me. I wasn't even going out to spend on it. I've figured out how to, you know, the Gary Vee stuff is my side hustle that I have very little to do with other than just living my life and then it's produced for me. So I run two businesses in my life, every day of my life, continuously, since I was 22 years old, the first day out of college. So when I say be careful, it may seem like I'm doing a lot of stuff, mainly because I'm working 18 hours a day, 
and because I'm efficient as fuck and I'm doing a lot of eight minute meetings, 13 minute meetings, 19 minute meetings while you make them an hour and a half lunch, but I'm not running three businesses. Right, so that really is the working 20 hours. No, 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 that's not for, ev- that's not for everybody. But I'm saying, so if you have somebody such as myself who's saying that is for me. You can't run three businesses at the same time. Right. That's what I'm telling you. Right. Cool. Right. Period. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Do I, my, do I get my car to you or to D-Rock standing here? D-Rock's right behind you. Yeah, let's do that. Thank you, man. Next. Hey, Gary, what's up? What's up? Uh, Shaheen from Austin. Pleasure. Good to see you. Um, for those of us who are getting ready to start our monthly podcast, yes. are feeling resistance about it. Because um, they're worried about what do people think about it? I think that's part of it. What's the other part? Um, I, don't, I don't know, I'm curious on how else we can bust through other than you know, wanting to pay, wanting the, uh, wanting the scarlet letters, you know? Dude, it's only scarlet letters. Like, you don't bust through on day one. If you do not love the process of what you're up to, you've already lost. It's true. This shit's hard. Like, what do you want? You want your first fucking podcast to be number one on fucking iTunes? Who the fuck are you? <laughs> do you know what I mean? I mean, that's the part. You have to love it. I love when people shit on me. I love when I showed up to the tech world and like, the wine guy thinks he's gonna win this thing? Yep. You know, then I love going to Madison Avenue and being like, this Twitter, Business Week said Twitter boy tries to start an agency. I said, fuck yes. I'm about to do this TV show, right, on, on Apple. Planet of the Apps, Recode writes, Planet of the Apps has four celebrity mentors, Gwyneth Paltrow, Will I Am, Jessica Alba, and others. <laughs> when I tell you that article made me so fucking happy, you gotta love the process, man. Like you're gonna break through if you're good enough and you won't break through if your show is shit. But you've gotta try to figure out if you're shit or awesome. Do you feel like you have to be an entertainer or personality? I think people have to listen to it. You either have to be massively entertaining or really know what the fuck you're talking about. And when you have both. (laughs) You know what I mean? But there's plenty not massively charismatic, over-the-top assassins in what they do because they fucking know their craft and they say it their way. And by the way, maybe they are better off in, I'm obsessed with getting everybody to understand. You have to find your medium. Maybe you're a great writer. Maybe you're great in podcasting. Maybe you're in video. Maybe you cartoon it up like Hugh McLeod who dominates this scene of the early days of South By. Like, you gotta find the way you communicate if you wanna communicate to the world. Don't do podcasting just because it's trendy. Got it? Got it. Good luck, man. My man. Hey. Hey. So I've been from Norway. Say hi. Thomas from United Investors. Awesome. So first international guy, I think. Yep. Um, two part question. So, what do you think influencer marketing has grown so fast the last years? Because. And what was the big point of that? I mean, influencer marketing has always been around, right? Like it's, it's been product placement. I mean, you know, John Wayne smoked Lucky Stripes, right? Like this has been around forever. I think the reason it's exploded is because we've become a primary mobile world. And instead of watching Seinfeld, we're fucking watching Logan Paul on Instagram. I mean, it's not super complicated. It's just where the attention is. 
What's cool though is that the platforms are the full distribution and the individuals don't need middlemen and women to get them direct to consumers. So the dollars that used to go for interrupting a TV show and go to the platform is now going to the individual because they are the absolute content and the distribution. And then the second part is, have waiters started experimenting with amplifying incomes or content with paid, like Facebook ads? And what's your kind of experience with that? Yes, right? Like, we will always amplify anything. Even if I get the greatest celebrity of all time to promote this cupcake, if I think Facebook ads are grossly underpriced, I will try to convince my client to amplify it because we're trading underpriced attention. You know what blows my mind? We do a piece of video content, it explodes on Facebook, and then my client wants us to cut it down to a 30 second spot and make it a TV spot and then overpay for distribution. Everybody's in a TV mentality to think you graduate to TV. I shit on TV commercials. You got it. What's up, Gary? Life is good, my man. My name's Raja, I'm a firm believer in opportunities. Just drove from Dallas uh, three hours away, so you know, I really want to shake your hand. And sure. <laughs> Thanks, Roger. Right, Love you too, man. That's very nice, man. Thank you. Thanks for making that slap. I got a question for you. Okay. <laughs> so, Gary, when do you know to transition from going from defense to offense? I don't know. I try not to be on defense. Um, but look, I think you should always be on offense. It's just, offense is always the best defense. Right? Like I always say to like people I mentor or my companies, I'm like, look, I'd rather win a basketball game 157 to 152, right? Like offense always, back to the top line revenue for the guy who had three businesses, offense always solves problems as long as your defense is not a complete disaster. So I just think offense is a very good mentality. And obviously it's a very clouds question, very up here, like we've all got very different issues of that, but it's, there is a trigger mindset. I'm always trying to stay on offense. Beautiful, man, thank you. You got it. What's up, I'm Jeremy from Salt Lake City, Utah. How are you? Doing good. So uh, I started a small social agency in college, so I know the power of Facebook ads and social listening and influencer marketing. Okay. And I'm now at a global agency and I have a startup on the side in in retail. Okay. I just want to get your opinion on kind of the space of what, number one, what's the most disruptive piece of work you've seen in the last year? And what's the most- What does disruptive mean? stands out, high retention, was extremely successful, really kind of like broke the norm. Yeah, I don't really, you know, I don't really know. I'm jumping in because I really can't answer you because I don't think in advertising lingo. Like I, there was no video on, you know, there was that PSA about gun control, right, where like you couldn't see the guy in the background and it was him the whole time. That was neat and interesting and well thought through. There's work, but I spend zero time looking at creative work. I spend all my time on what people are doing, so I never know how to answer that question because I'm not consuming shit. So the next question I'm is, uh, what's the most disruptive thing you see coming for the advertising industry? You already mentioned Facebook and whatnot, but. You know, bro, What's your name again, I apologize? Jeremy. Jeremy, truth is man, I'm not Nostradamus, right? Like, I don't know. Um, what I'm really good at is reacting when I see something. So I don't know what the next disruptive thing is, but I know that I'm spending a lot of time on Marco Polo and after school and anchor and, and things and house party and trying to figure out are these the next Snapchats and Instagrams? So it's not about me knowing, it's me doing the behavior and downloading and playing with things when they have even the hint of the potential to be it. Cool. 
So how do you see that potential? What's the hidden potential? Just user-based? Yeah, is there a lot of attention gonna be somewhere where then I have to figure out the context of that platform so I can be a creative on it to drive whatever the hell I want, whether that's getting donations for a cause or selling sneakers. Thank you. You're welcome. This is so weird. <laughs> this, is, uh, this is so weird. What's going on, Gary? My name is Karam Khalil. I'm kind of getting, I'm gonna get a little bit personal right now with myself. At the age of 12 years old, I began selling iPads and electronics left and right. I slowly moved up from there. I used to come home at 3, 4 a.m. telling my dad to take me on a quick trip. Would come home with 20 sealed iPads and flip them the next day. Um, I gradually went up to cars and then now I'm doing real estate and my birthday was two days ago so I just turned 20. And why I'm telling you all of this is because I am extremely, extremely confused in life. Okay. I do public speaking here and there. People invite me to speak. Okay. I'm in school full time taking 19 hours. I do real estate and I am making money. Okay. I don't see any business coming to me. I don't see something that I love and I'm trying everything but just nothing is clicking. So let, let's take a step back. First and foremost, bro, you're a salesman, right? Like it was in you, just like it was in me. The good thing about being a salesperson is it's a skill that always plays out, right? The other thing is you're 20 and you're lacking patience. You don't need it to come right this second. Like if I give you a good piece of advice, and you know this if you're following my stuff, I'm obsessed with patience. You don't have to have your Eureka moment right now. You need to realize you're a salesperson, because that's clearly what you are based on the narrative you just painted, and what you should be doing is tasting a lot of different things, putting yourself in different rooms, different networks, consuming different content. You need to figure out what floats your boat. But by the way, it may just be the game of sales and it may not matter what the product is and that would be okay as well but you don't have to figure out what your monster business is right this second. And you need to be thankful for having clearly really strong sales skills because it is a survival tactic that will always work for you. Keep doing what you're doing and be on the offense to try and learn new things in the world. Cooking, fucking tires, like I'm serious. Yoga, meditation, like just keep putting yourself out there because something might grab your heart. Sure. <laughs> you got it, man. Good luck, man. I love I you too. Good luck. All right. Dude, is that a flip cam? Oh no, it was your phone, okay. I got scared. <laughs> I got excited. It's like retro. All right. Good afternoon, Gary. How are you? I'm doing good. Good. I'm here on behalf of Rancor Recruiting. Amazing. I have... D-Rock's interested. Listen. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> Go ahead. I have a friend, Staff Sergeant Jeremy Reese. He's out recruiting out in Seattle, Washington right now. He is a protege of yours. He is a disciple of your T-Balls. Everything you do. Okay. Um, he asked me to ask you this question. He started his own blog, video blog on fitness and empowering people. What is one piece of advice, if any, that you could give him? I mean, there's so many, but I would tell him that too many people think they're influencers before they actually are, and I would tell him to put his head down and put out good content, and just be patient. That's it. Okay. Cool. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm gonna be able to sneak one or two more. I think they're pretty hardcore here, so I apologize for anybody in line. Let's go quickly. Hi. Hi, sorry. No worries. Um, I'm, my name's Nat, I'm from Sydney, Australia. Um, I have so many questions for you, but I just want, I guess I want to ask, um, how, do you, how do you quantify your values or your strengths as a person in order to stand out? 
for example, when, it, when there's so much competition and so many people that can, are brilliant at everything, um, and it seems to be whoever shouts the loudest or whoever has the best relationships, how, how do you... How That's do you just not true. Okay. The loudest and best relationships never win. It's just what people that aren't winning think. It's the people that are the best that win. So, how do you prove, how do you prove like, how do the you market prove proves it for you? So, let's go yeah. in detail. Like, like, TechCrunch doesn't pick the winners, right? Like, 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 you know, the Wall Street Journal doesn't pick the winners. Three cool kids in the crowd don't pick the winners. The problem is, everybody wants to be anointed a winner or best at what they do before they've actually done it. Let me just remind you and everybody else here. I built a business for 18 hours a day, every day, running a wine liquor store for 13 years every day before I ever had the audacity to come to something like this and talk. So, so let, me have, let me tell you something amazing. If you're good enough, you will win. But if you are upset that somebody else's grandpappy got them ahead of you, then you're gonna lose. Everybody started ahead of me. I'm just catching up. And then, so just, how would you then balance being ambitious to being patient? How, how do you By recognizing that? you have no choice. <laughs> do you understand? I'm the most fucking ambitious and most patient person you've ever met, which is why I'm gonna win real, real, real big. Find your version of that. You know, like, that you have no choice. Who's gonna cry for you? Like, what's the choice? Are you ambitious? Yeah. Awesome. I don't think you're as patient. Yeah, that's the problem. No shit. <laughs> <laughs> and the problem right now is that we're all living public lives and all this horse shit. This is what entrepreneurship and success looks like. Fucking going to fucking Bali and fucking watches and private jets. It's all horse shit. Horse shit. But it's fucking with people's minds and they're getting impatient. I don't give a fuck what anybody else has. I'm focused on my shit. Start focusing on your shit. You're a young woman. How old are you? 27. I'm gonna punch you in the face. (laughs) You have your whole life in front of you. You know what I mean? Put your head down and do whatever this thing that you wanna prove that you're the best at. Hardcore, if you actually spent all your time doing instead of dwelling, you'd be much further along.